Hi, this is Lance Reddick. I play Chief Urban Irving on the uh, Amazon series Bosch, and this, and you're listening to the Everybody Counts podcast. Welcome. It's time for another episode of the Everybody Counts podcast. We have a full crowd here tonight, but we are missing Jay, who is otherwise occupied this evening, so we miss him, but we have Pete here. What's up, Pete? Hello. And we have a very special guest host tonight, Sister Teacher. Hello. Peace and blessings, everyone. She's here. It's so exciting. We get to talk the whole podcast with her. Uh, we're, we're really grateful to have her here. First, before we get into our case review, Pete, do you have a handle on the Bosch Stash poll? I can. I mean, I checked it. And uh-huh. I was like, Four hours ago, it was 50-50, but I want to see if there's an update now. Okay. And while he's looking, what we're talking about is in our interview with Titus Welliver um, earlier this week, he revealed that he would really like to have a mustache in in the season, at least maybe half a season or, you know, part of the season. Um, and so we thought we'd put a poll out there and see what people thought. And, yeah, last time I looked, it was 50-50. Has anything changed? Well, it went from 26 votes to 28 votes. So two new votes came in, but it's still 50-50. So oh. <laughs> it's it's coming in one one for one, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's still split. So here's the deal. We welcome your input. We welcome your vote. Vote however you want to vote. But if you want to help Titus, if that's your goal, then vote for the stash. But if you really just want to share your personal opinion, vote any way you want. But that's what's happening so all right thanks for that update pete if you see a change be sure to alert me during the podcast there's a change hold on oh (laughs) breaking Breaking news news. (laughs) (laughs) jinx you owe me coke okay so 29 votes and it is now 52 to 48 keep it clean shaved oh man all right so we're going to add a a quick segment before we get into case review we're going to do a little segment called jay's not here so when Jay's not here, we like to kind of mess with him or just, you know, do stuff that we don't do when he's here. So he's been getting fired up about some things in the podcast uh, this season. So we want to get your opinion, sister teacher, on some things that Jay has been very passionate about. So you don't have to give a long answer. We just kind of want to see where you weigh in. So the Merce, Pierce's Merce, keep it or lose it? Well, I think I agree. If he has a female partner, I think he needs to get rid of the Merce. Oh, oh. <laughs> all right. That's against Jay. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's perfectly fine. Okay, next one. Tom, what do you think of Tom? Yay or nay? Nay. I don't like Tom. Okay. Jay would agree with you there. All right. What about that comment Maddie made about her dad tells her, well, don't you have a boyfriend back at college? And she said, yeah, but not a husband. Is she crossing the line or is she keeping her options open? Well, that's the only first time we heard about the boyfriend. She didn't really tell her father about it. It was in response to her having another friend. So for me, he must not be that important. There you go. I like it. (laughs) All right. Last one. I don't know if you're a fan of tacos. But if you're going to have a taco, would you prefer it with sour cream or without? Without sour cream, because I don't like sour cream. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Jay is going to be over the moon. He, lo- he, he agrees with you. He agrees with you. I, 
he thinks sour cream on tacos is disgusting. So I think we're like 50-50 there. So interesting. All right. We just, you know, when he's not here to give his opinion, we like to see what someone else's opinion is. Can so, I um, right. Can I jump in yeah. here? Sure. Take the stage for a second because there's no better time than for me to reveal my Bosch season five secret. Oh, that's right. You said you had a secret. And it all plays in. So, um, I wasn't here for the second podcast. Right. And I've heard it, and I wanted a chance to speak my mind about a certain subject in the podcast. Okay. But I didn't want Jay to be here because I didn't want it to be a a thing between us, (laughs) like live on the air. So. Okay. I am 100% anti-Merce. This is Everybody Counts podcast. Everybody's opinion counts. Now, I, I don't like the reasons why Jay gave for the Merce because I don't know how you guys hold your backpacks, but I hold my backpack on one shoulder, and it's next to my hip at all times when I'm walking anyway, so it's an easy – you know, we've been doing that trick forever since Moses okay. wore short pants. I mean, we're ready to go here. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't want it to be a thing. I will let okay. Jay – Listen to this and come back and have his own little segment on okay. why we're wrong and he's the best. We all know that, but I am anti-Merce, and it's okay to be anti-Merce, people. That's all I'm saying. It is. Again, and, everybody and have counts. You, have you seen the way Pierce looked since he got rid of the Merce? He's wearing some nicer suits that I've seen. And you know what? My reason, if Pierce wasn't going to have a Merce no more, it's because he's so legit now that he has somebody that holds his Merce for him. An assistant, uh, so to speak. Uh, okay. That's, that's <laughs> okay. my reason for going to take away the MERS. Well, I, I've settled a little bit. I, it, it, I'm a little more at ease with losing the MERS, if that's if that's a done deal. Because Titus said that Harry could repurpose it as a bag for dog treats for Coltrane when he takes him on walks. So if we can still have it in there, I'm good with that, too. All right. Well, thank you for, for feeling free to share there, Pete. Sharon solved our scramble this week for our interview with Lance Reddick, and she um, unscrambled the name, even though I missed a letter and added an extra letter. <laughs> She's, She's amazing. Still figured it out. <laughs> She's still figured it out. Still figured it out. I told her I've got to stop doing those in my head, and I need to write them out. But yeah, she solved it was Lance Reddick. But um, so she's our spotlight listener for today, and I um always have a question for them, and. Sharon's question I gave her was, how can you relate the show Bosch to your job as a teacher? Sharon's a teacher. She says, good one. Working with gifted kids, I think a huge parallel would be with the detectives trying to stay one step ahead of the case and keeping an open mind. Unlike a certain character this season, you know, she has a beef about that, about the Merce, um, (laughs) about any and all possibilities. Teaching is almost like having to solve a new mystery each day as you try to figure out what could happen. At the same time, understanding something inevitably will happen that you never considered. Never a dull moment in either field. I had a great parallel with the Merce, too. But as that has been unceremoniously ripped from the hands of Pierce, I will refrain from exploring that connection. Thank you, Sharon. Can we tell Sharon's a, a, still bitter about the Merce? Poor Sharon. Yeah, well, we know she's Team Pierce, so she, she yeah. got to stick with it, right? She got to stick with it. That, that's right. That's right. But those were some uh, very interesting parallels with teaching. I like that. So thank you so much, Sharon, for uh, for telling us about that. All right, let's get into our case review. This is episode five hundred five. 
titled Tunnel Vision. Why don't we start out, um, just as the episode did, with Harry getting all his gear together for being undercover. Who wants to talk about that? You saw him, you saw him get his gear together. You saw him go and talk to... Um... Nelly. Yes, and... Mm-hmm. My one of my favorite parts of the episode was when he pulled the knife out of the cane. I was like, mm-hmm. yo, I was like, they didn't just show that because it's Bosch and he's cool. They showed that because it's getting used down the road to save his life. I'm sorry, yeah. I think it was introduced and shown because it's it's going to serve a purpose. Yeah, it's it's gonna. Yeah, you're right. Right. They so told him. You... They told him to keep it clean. They told him not to go through like real customs or like a real mm-hmm. detective because he'll get in trouble. Mm-hmm. He, he took a gun, which I thought was a little crazy, but... But she know, told him to disable it. Yes, which we now know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That that will come in handy. <laughs> yeah, that will come in handy. <laughs> yeah, we've got some idea about that. What do you think about the freeze-dried attic urine? Anybody? Um, I mean, I'd never used that term before. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, <laughs> where did they get that from? Like, who urine did they keep... <laughs> To freeze dry it, did they? Do they have addicts selling their urine? <laughs> I mean, I, I just—I never heard anything like that in my life. I don't, you know, it, it just still baffles me. How did they get that? The guy said, "Give me your backpack, right?" And then, or should I say, Dominic Riley knew what he was talking about because he didn't even get to finish that sentence, and he was already—he <laughs> was already clonked at that point. I'm just like, wow, like he's. I, I don't know. I didn't. You know, you you watch Harry Bosch in a lot of situations, but obviously Dominic Riley is a very patient man and can you know not get as aggravated as a Harry Bosch because if that's Harry Bosch, anybody else that did that to Harry Bosch and not Dominic Riley, um, yeah, different outcome. I think he was very compliant in that situation. <laughs> yeah, I did not see Harry at all, but I was just thinking, wait till he get if he ever see him on the other side. Oh, right. outside of Dominic, yeah. uh, he's gonna really, really get it. That, 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 that's what I thought. Well, I was, he was very shocked. I think seeing a doctor from the hospital, uh-huh. I was shocked. I'm like, what is yeah. this? Yeah. I, I mean, that man really plays dual roles. And thinking about the interview when he asked him, some of the stuff. Well, his statement was. I think because I know I revealed last week that I'm a substance abuse. I'm a clinical alcohol and drug counselor. Mm-hmm. So some of the stuff he said was true, but he's also abuses his power as being a doctor. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, you know, and exploits that. But his name, you would not know the way he presents himself. Like he's just totally crooked because mm-hmm. from seeing him at the VA hospital, you would not have thought he would have been at that clinic behind right. the whole thing. I'm I'm totally I'm totally in invested in this character now because it, it's it's simple it's a front it's a cover up and this guy's very interesting to me I'm gonna talk about him more later hint hint but uh-huh. I, I I think he's gonna be an integral part in in that case because you know like I I look at the things and I look at to see who's gonna be the main characters in each case and who's who's got potential and who's who's good and who's bad and this guy, I don't know, just struck me. I mean, I'm sure it struck everybody, too, the wrong way with, like, you know, when you saw him. But it's it's one of those things where I, I'm definitely interested and in, invested in his character now, and I need to know more going forward. So you think you think that the part of the VA is not 
real, that it's all fake? Um, he's not. You think he's really trying to help anybody over there? I, I, I do think he's trying to help people, but I also think that he he's might be a form of recruitment, so to speak. Like, okay, I know some of these guys. I, I want every one of these members to be strong enough to get over this, but the ones who aren't going to be strong enough, you know, maybe they'll end up in. You know, those are going to be the ones who end up in my area, and I, I, he's. What's the word? He's taking advantage. I feel of both both scenarios from the, okay. from the best from the best intentions to the worst intentions. He's not finding a balance, and we all know when you don't have balance, it's it's bad news at the end of the day. I kind of I, I kind of follow that. Yeah. What about you, sister teacher? Well, he's exploiting, but I, but because he he is playing those dual roles, I don't think he may can be trusted in either one because you don't know which yeah. way he'll go. You know. Yeah. Or how he may take advantage because a person can be going right and staying off the drugs. And then soon as they may relapse, he may, you know, be 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 like a predator. And yeah. go, oh, let me get you and bring you in and then keep yeah. you hooked on something. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. All right, well, let's, let's, um, Edgar's, you know, Jagger's in the back watching him. At the clinic, he's a little worried when he doesn't come out and people get in the van and go. He's like, where's Harry? Uh, but he eventually comes out, tells him what happened. Um, but then in a different part of the episode, J. Edgar is still following up on the murder of Gary Wise. And he goes back to the original book or you know record of the, um, was it a home invasion, I guess, that the, the yes. four guys did. And Gary was the lookout. The other guys actually went out. Um, and then Gary turned them in, turned on them. And so they ended up, you know, 10 years in prison each and now they're out. But, but Jerry is going, he's trying to find each of those three other guys to get more information. And he meets with, um, Gary's dad, Dwight, and kind of tries to find out where everybody is. And he mentions, um, no one seems to know where Bo Jonas is. He mentions, um, Darius Natrell. Uh, he's living with his mom, and Crossley, I think is the other guy, is now a pastor at a storefront church. So he goes and, and visits each of those guys. Does anybody want to talk about those visits? Well, they were total opposites, I can tell you that. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the first one, when he went to see Trell, he told him to basically leave. You know, he was hostile towards him didn't want to have i mean he did respond to him then he he gave him an option you want to do this get a warrant if not get off my mother you know yeah. house so yeah. um <laughs> it, it was just like that and compared to going to the to the pastor of the storefront church he 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 was more welcoming to him mm-hmm. um and just talked to him but he was very guarded i do want to say that yeah yeah, definitely. One thing I wanted to point out about him seeing um, Darius Natrell, that guy is ripped. <laughs> oh, was, yeah. I mean, he, I was like, whoa, he's massive. He, I mean, you know, he's lifting, pumping iron, lifting those weights. And did you notice that when he went to see Crosley at the church, Darius Natrell was just leaving there? That was him leaving, and he was being very cordial with the pastor. It was like you, you talked about, sister teacher, about his demeanor with – Jerry, he was being very cordial with the pastor, whereas he was guarded 
um, with Jerry, but he exits. And then the pastor says, you know, oh, interesting that you came in just when, you know, Darius was leaving. And so Jerry grills him a little bit. Have you seen Bo Jonas? And he said, no, but Gary did. And he made a point of saying, you made that happen. You connected them. And it was almost like he was giving a jab at J. Edgar about Gary getting killed. Did you did you interpret it that way, you guys? Yeah, it's everybody knows there's something fishy about what happened and why mm-hmm. it happened. You know, we know it and we haven't, you know, at this point in the show, we haven't gotten that far yet. So we don't know the outcome. Well, some of us do, some of us don't. But like I said, <laughs> when you're watching it live and this is yeah. the moment you're at, you know something went wrong. There was foul play one way or the other here. And you're just waiting for it. Like we always talk about the structure or I always talk about the structure of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's got to build. And this is the point where you, they're, they're going to start making it easier for you to really yeah. clear up the picture. So, I mean, it's obvious mm-hmm. they're throwing it in your face. And I feel like it's, it's a no brainer. This is what's going on. There was foul play. It happened because of Jagger's setup that that set the wheels in motion for whatever was going to happen. Right. I just thought it was interesting that, you know, Jay Edgar's a detective. He's, you know, interrogating them and asking them questions like they might be involved, but the pastor kind of twists it and turns it back on him and saying, well, no, I don't know where he is, but you got them together and look what happened. So I just, that kind of jumped out but, at me. But, but you know what the other part is, I think he had good intentions, but uh, uh, Jerry is made out to be the bad guy. But mm-hmm. I don't think he's really looking. I don't even know if he has any idea of really what happened to Gary, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if he thinks it was those. I think he's just playing like a detective and trying to investigate everybody. Mm-hmm. But it really bothers me that he doesn't think the police are involved with it. Yeah. Like, Pete you know, does. Two, <laughs> two police officers specific. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Who look more like agents to me with those white shirts? Like, you know, <laughs> that's what Pete said last week. <laughs> yeah. I don't trust people that look like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. No, it, it, the whole thing, the whole thing smells fishy. But um, so that that's kind of as far as he gets in this episode. With that, we see a little bit more of uh, Robertson because they have tied the gun from the carjacking to the, the gun used in the pharmacy murders. And um, so he's there at Hollywood Division. I thought it was interesting. Everyone was really cordial. You know, we know that Jimmy had a beef sort of with Bosch, but they were very cordial there and kind of working together. Did, what'd you think of that? Were you surprised or? No, because I think last season they, they learned how to work that stuff out. But I think that was some alpha male stuff where he wanted to see um, you know, number one, and mm-hmm. he wanted to kind of have his own position because you always hear Bosch's name, yeah, but you yeah. don't hear anything about him. And he wanted, you know, some upward mobility, um, mm-hmm. in, in that sense. But, but, I, but I think at, I think during the, the last um, season, they kind of worked through some of that mm-hmm. where they can have less animosity, less contention, um, yeah. and learn how to really work as a team. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the progress that, that seems to be there. Um, all right. Well, let's shift gears a little bit to the borders reopening that investigation. Um, who wants to talk about that scene where Christina Henry is, has that map with the different color codes of Ulmer's crimes in the area. And then there's the Schuyler murder. 
Um, and she's talking to her partner, Ed Song, about that. Anybody want to talk about that? Your thoughts, uh, he, thoughts on it? He, he asked her, you know, are you are you 100% sure that this is this is a thing that happened? And she said, call it, call it, just like Bosch, call it a hunch. Mm-hmm. Now, now, that's a good question because I was going to actually ask you guys on this podcast, <clears throat> at this point, do we believe that Christina Henry is out for Bosch's head because of a personal misunderstanding or just, you know, bad things that went down in their personal life? Or mm-hmm. does she really think that Bosch is a dirty cop who's been planted evidence more than once and this is her chance to catch him? Is she doing her job or is this personal? What do you, what do you guys think? I feel like she's jumping on it. Like she sees there's a possibility of a loophole um, and wants to use it against Bosch any way she can. It feels very personal to me. It always has. And even Ed points out, you know, she says they didn't even look at borders. You know, here's all these, or they didn't even look at Ulmer. There's all these crimes right around the Schuyler murder location. And they didn't even look at Ulmer. And she called it tunnel vision. And he said, yeah, not, not like you or something like that. She seems like she's just, you know, zoned in on Bosch and Bosch only. Um, so that's my take. It's, it still feels very personal to me. What about you, Sister Teacher? I, I think she's being very vindictive. Her whole tone comes across as very bitter. Yeah. Like, like, like he did, like he tried to kill her or kill a family member, but he did something very, that just injured her, you yeah. know? Um, and, and she's just like, if it ain't, if it's not a way for her, she's going to find a way. That That's, you know, she seems And that's kind of scary. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Well, what's what's interesting is I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. And if she is, if it's not vindictive, it certainly doesn't look that way. You know, I, I'd be very surprised if this is just really her work ethic going on here. All right. What about the, the box of evidence? We deal with that some in this episode because they're still trying to figure out how if this DNA is is fake or or the DNA was planted, you know, added to the evidence. How did it get in there? And so the chief tells Bosch that he will get the video of the transfer and Bosch looks it over. He shows it to Honey Chandler and they they come to the conclusion that because they know that storage space can be an issue in the property room. And so older cases, multiple boxes are being consolidated into one. And they do determine that Terry Spencer is the one who handled the consolidation of the boxes. So they believe that Ulmer's DNA, the handkerchief, was planted during a consolidation. What do you think of that? You think that's what happened? I'm just going to say one thing and then I'll hand over the reins of whatever you guys think. Um, this, this setup, if you, if you want to call it a setup, if it turns out to be a setup against Bosch, mm-hmm. it's amateur hour. There, there's so many leaky, it's like a leaky faucet. There's so many cracks in the foundation and they're slowly being shown to you that I'm just like, how sloppy is this? All these people that are in on this are going to get him in a lot of trouble. I mean, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for mm-hmm. trying to get him in trouble. And I'm just curious to see how many more people are involved in that want to get. But this is Bosch. They have no respect for Bosch as a cop and investigator. <laughs> yeah. You didn't think like, oh, what if he looks at this? What if he goes and gets no one thought about, oh, we're gonna let, there's going to be video evidence. Like no one had this conversation. 
if all right. these people are involved that are that are all you know pretty smart and legit in in the world of law, you'd think they would have covered their ground better if this turns out to be what, what Bosch and we think it is. Which makes you doubt their intentions, which goes back to is she is Christina Henry, the investigator being vindictive? Is the lawyer trying to run a scam, you know, and borders trying to obviously get out of prison? You know, there we don't sense that these motivations are about justice. You know, it's they seem very much for other emotional or financial gain. Well, I, I you know, everyone thinks they're the smartest person in the room. So <laughs> yeah. she thinks she's the smartest person in the room. Borders thinks he's the smartest person in the room. Yeah. The lawyer, his lawyer thinks he's the smartest person in the room. So, and, and like, I agree with you, um, Pete, they just don't, they, they, they don't really trust, uh, Harry's bulldog skills. You know, he's going to stick with it. He, he going to start from point A and go to Z. And if he go back to AA. I, and, and what I mean, you know, when you go beyond Z, he's going to do whatever until he finds his answer. And they don't, I, I guess they, they forget about that part. Yeah, they seem to be sorely underestimating him uh, for sure. So now, okay, so Borders and Bosch in the visitation area at San Quentin. That was interesting. Who wants to take the floor on that? Well, I, I, I could say uh, when when Borders first noticed that he Bosch was sitting in the room, he turned around, act like he didn't want to go, and those guards was trying not to hear it. And he was like, oh, "Okay, this how this gonna go?" Yeah. And he sat down and said, "I don't have to say anything." But then he started running his mouth, like before <laughs> Harry even said anything. He yeah. Just started running his mouth. Yeah. So you know, sometimes a person talk long enough, they tell on themselves. Yeah, you know he had was kind of listening to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's like he's so he first tries to insult Bosch about how age or you know time has not served him well, and you know tries to egg him on there, and that doesn't work. And uh, yeah, he just just keeps at it, and he brings up the DNA, and Harry's like, well, it's not legit, and um, he then he brings his wife Rita into it that throws borders off uh he was not expecting that that's the thing borders like acts all confident you planted evidence you know you you don't have anything on me you planted it he acts so confident but that did shake him a little bit when um he said that they had rita on tape and that they you know even knew about her you know Um, what didn't shake him right what didn't shake him is when he told bosh multiple times I know you planted that pendant. Uh-huh. I didn't leave it there. Uh-huh. And yeah. I believed him. I don't know about you guys, but I believed him. I mean, I didn't believe a word that he said in that whole conversation except for that part. He is very insistent upon that, as is Christina. So Right. Well, um, I don't want to go too far ahead, but yeah. time will prove some things right. But he has been consistent with that, Pete. Even yeah. when Bosch was walking out the door, that's the last words he said yep. to Harry when he walked out the door. Speaking of Rita, she has an encounter, another encounter with Hector. <laughs> that was uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> he can, uh, he can really, I mean, he just slips into that 
that role of, you know, whoever he's pretending, you know, to be. It's very convincing. And <laughs> she's very, very unsettled to see him. And but she's funny because she's she doesn't like start to cry or run away. She just says, go away. I don't want to talk to you. You know, leave me alone. She's kind of confident in her own interesting way but he really tries to do a power play with her i think when you know he takes her cookie and says you know prez is a lucky man he's really trying to you know get to her i think i think he does i mean she she holds her own but i think he definitely makes an impact well she does have a thing for um convicts (laughs) yeah convicts would be the same right yeah yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't know what name he's going by with this, but he. Yeah, he's clearly acting like he just got out of prison. So, yeah, she um has an affinity for. Maybe maybe that, that he's going. Maybe he's going by the name Beansy. <laughs> <laughs> Beansy, we found Beansy. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but but he's definitely coming on strong. Uh huh. He just okay. came, sat down, didn't say hello. Just yeah, he was just finishing a phone call, and you know, yeah. like I'm like, what happened to excuse me, man? You know, no boundaries. Yeah, no, no manners, no boundaries. Absolutely, not a good way to ask somebody for money. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> not yeah, a good yeah, you wouldn't think so. You wouldn't think so. All right, so let's talk about what's going on with Maddie. She she's looking through, working on that file for the um the rape victim that she helped take the witness prep notes on and obviously it's very emotional for her she's very moved um and concerned about this woman and then sees her in the park makes eye contact but can tell she can tell you know the woman it's like don't don't come near me i'm not talking to you um what do you think i mean what do you think is i mean it's obvious she hurts for the woman, but why do you think she's connecting specifically with this woman or, or feels like she's relating? Is it because of the death of her mom, just a, someone experiencing oh, so much pain? What do you think, sister teacher? I think that could be part of it, but I think she may be just becoming more aware of what's going on in the world. Yeah. Um, okay. and, and, and just being... In that type of environment, you're more close to it where before you wasn't, you could be clueless of it. So being first exposed to something um, so painful that happens to people, like, yes, this really does happen to people. I think it, she kind of connects, but it also gets you out of your silo that you're not the Uh only one that experiences pain. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Now, why do you think the... um not necessarily why the pictures of the woman's son were in there, but what do we think? Are we supposed to think something happened with her son as well? I mean, it's so hard to even talk about, or is it just supposed to show that she's also a mom and, you know, I think think it was to humanize her. Like you said, to show that she has a family. She's a normal human. She's a normal human being, normal person with the regular everyday struggles that everybody else faces, a family or whatnot. And this horrible thing she has to live with now. So it kind of grips at you a little harder, I feel. Right. And maybe that it didn't just happen to her, but there's this ripple effect when you, you know, you have a family. She has to, you know, one day her son might ask her about it or, you know, 
what were you going to say, sister teacher? I, I think that uh, at first I did think, I didn't think what Pete thought. I just thought that something happened to him, the way it was presented. Like, did that person do something to him? Did he yeah. injure her son? Um, did yeah. he hurt both of them? You know, well, was it a domestic violence um, type of relationship where he may yeah. have beaten both of them? Or right. you, that, that's what I kind of thought. Yeah, uh, yeah. it I, worried I, me. It worried me a lot when I saw pictures of him because I was like, wait a minute, what part of the story is this? I don't, you know. Um, so, and then because she, because Maddie was saying she felt like she could kind of relate to her on some level, I was like, well, wait a minute, did the woman lose her son too? And she lost her mom. Is that where she's tying it in? I mean, aside from the fact that she's, you know, human and cares about people, I was just, I couldn't quite put the pieces together. And I don't know if we're supposed to know or if it'll ever come up again. Um, but, just wondering what, what you guys thought about that. So, You want to know my thoughts, Tracy? Sure. My thoughts is that I'm happy that I didn't see Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no Tom on this episode. Man, he's getting a bad rap this season. That's so crazy. Poor Tom. Poor Tom. <laughs> Me and Jay going to be at the door with pitchforks. <laughs> I would love to know. And, of course, we're only halfway through the season on the podcast. But I would love to know what the writer's intentions were for Tom and how people were going to um, respond to him because I, I'm a little surprised that there's been such a backlash against Tom. I mean, so Maddie's growing up. I think yeah. the other part is that Maddie is growing up into young adulthood, being a young woman and we need to transition it that although yeah. she's a daddy's girl, but she's still growing up. So I think ringing is not just, you know, what happens when children go away to college? A lot of things happen, right? <laughs> so I think we need to, um, you know, make that a reality kind of also, you know, yeah. on the show. Yeah. Well, well here's, no, here's my thing, though. Here's my thing. Mm -hmm. We're so many seasons in, and that's our little Maddie. And it's not going to change, you know? Like, she's becoming an adult. <laughs> it's hard. Just as hard as it is for Bosch. It's probably harder for us as viewers. Because okay. We're not, trained, yeah. we're not trained to deal with this kind of situation. With the <laughs> oh my god! So we're not I'm prepared. Yeah, I'm sitting here like honestly, that's our Maddie, and no guy's good enough unless it's Harry Bosch in a clone. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And then yeah, the other part, I don't think is good idea. She doesn't need to try and get involved with nobody at work. Mm -hmm. Like, like, like that. That you know that that's not a good thing. You know, yeah. he trying yeah. to act like he's a dude. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, for sure. All right, well, I'm just going to run down a few more things that, that happened in the episode and um, just to cover that, and we'll get into um, our other segments. But we do see several conversations that people are having with, with the chief. Um, Jen Kowski comes in, and she's talking about a hypothetical campaign for mayor, um, looking at some statistics, uh, looking at, you know, he seems to have a lot of police support should he want to run. He later talks to June um, on the way to work about it and you know she kind of encourages him to take a look you know kind of like you're looking out a door when someone's knocking are you going to answer the door or go pretend that you're not there and at this point he says i'm gonna pretend i'm not there um like he's he's not seeming like he's totally interested in it where um june seems to be much more open to the possibility so we'll see what happens there um we also see Billets and Barrel go to lunch at Musso and Frank. P 
popular restaurant in the show and in, and in real life. And he just wants to, to cut the crap. He just wants to enjoy their lunch. He doesn't want to talk about retirement or talk about memories or try to justify um, the reason for retiring. He just wants to en- enjoy some time together. But he does make a point of telling Billets that Crate has nothing else in his life, which I do want to ask you, do you think that's true or is he reflecting on himself? I don't think he's reflected on himself because okay. I thought they made, they made it their business to show us in the last episode. Yeah, he came home and he went shopping, got his meal, went yeah. home, got his. I think it was believe it was a beer, his beverage of choice, whatever it was, and he uh-huh. made some food. I thought, I was waiting for them him to like mess up the food or something, but yeah, no, he yeah. made the food. He sat down, and he put on his movie, he's, said I love this yeah. movie, and enjoyed his enjoyed his time. And he, I think he's realizing like, hey, if I retire, I could just do this all day, and this isn't that bad. <laughs> but my buddy Crate. Okay. Doesn't have anything, but we yeah. don't know. They haven't showed us Crate at home if right. he's lonely right. or not, so we don't even know if Crate does have anything else that we don't right. know about. But I agree. Uh, Beryl did seem pretty happy just going home in the evening, watch, kicking up, watching his movie. What do you think, sister teacher? Well, I think it's easy to say that now because she has a job. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Work first and really don't have anything. You know, you look forward to getting home after working eight hours or putting in all that time. But if yeah. he had to do that all day, really, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I I think a part of it, maybe he putting that off on um, Crate. But I think in previous seasons, Crate has a wife. They don't bring oh, up, you okay. know, that Barrel has had three wives. But yeah. um, <laughs> so, but but I, but I think he may kind of be talking about himself a little bit. You okay. Know, so maybe a little of both. We'll see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, so Pierce and his new partner, Christina Vega, are trying to figure out uh, where Junior is, Junior Esquivel, and they think he's on his way to, you know, his cousin's house, but there's no activity there. Um, The lights are out. Seems like, you know, the cousin is out of town. And then Pierce, being the bright guy that he is, says, hey, check out the utilities, and they find out the AC has been turned on because it's super hot in Bakersfield. How could you be there and not turn the ac on so it looks like they're gonna try to make a trip out there meanwhile oscar his cousin that lives in town uh, gets ready for work pulls up the garage door and there's the ufc fighter type guy that not, peanut described not <laughs> a good way to start your day no that work <laughs> and there's nothing definitive shown on screen but i just do not think things go well for oscar at that point but we don't know for sure but yeah that guy looked pretty menacing we've got captain cooper who's always trying to shift the blame or put the hard um choices or calls on other people pulling lieutenant thorne and lieutenant billets into his office telling him the fbi is auditing their uniform crime reporting and uh saying i'll have your backs if there's an issue and i just really love the way billets played the way Amy Aquino played Billets in that scene, because she's just looking like, what is your deal? Why would you need to have her back? You know, just, but she, I mean, she wasn't disrespectful, but she's just like, what is going on here? And he's like, oh, you know, he talks about judgment calls. Well, obviously he's, something sounds fishy there mm-hmm. as well. Um, but he never just, he never, we have never seen him just take responsibility. And it's always seems like he's pushing stuff off on them. Um, 
And then I guess one more thing we've got going on is that officer-involved shooting. They're still they're looking at body cam footage, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and it's just not a obvious answer at this point. But Mank, Mankiewicz does point out something very important that there are three officers there. One of them shoots twice, Edgewood. One of them doesn't fire at all. And then Robson, the guy who did end up killing Vasquez, uh, he said drained his piece. I guess he used up all his ammo. So that does that's not consistent. You got, you know, very different activity from the three different officers. So that does make it look super suspicious. So can I make a yeah. bold prediction? Sure. That footage mm-hmm. is gonna get Irv elected mayor. Mm, okay. All right. It's Let's put a pin a in thing. that. We'll see. It's gonna become a big thing in the city, I feel, and He's going to use that as leverage and get himself elected. Okay. All right. Let's see what happens. I I, I also want to say the one that was the officer that was standing there watching it with Mankovich, like he had a total different opinion and he seemed quick um, to rush to judgment and not really use any critical thinking and really examine the situation. You know, so Mm -hmm. I don't know if that comes from time on the job, experience, or really being out there in the field. Compared to what Mankiewicz did, you know, said and yeah, did. Yeah, now you're did more of an analysis of it. Totally, that guy was just like, "Yeah, it was good. He did this, and he kept coming up for reasons that it was a, you know, a good shooting." And uh, yeah, absolutely, Mankiewicz had a lot more critical thinking skills there. All right, we've asked each other a lot of questions, but is there anything burning that you want to ask each other for the interrogation room segment? One thing I, I was wondering about is, did you guys have any idea why we never see Jimmy with a partner? He's in Newton Division now, but we always he's always working alone. Nothing can replace his old partner. <laughs> there you go. That's the other it. That's what he gets for thinking it's greener on the other side. You know, yeah. um, he really wanted to get away because I remember LT saying, you know, a position was coming up there, but he couldn't wait um, yeah. for that. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Maybe he has more uniforms with him, it seems like. Compared to yeah. just having a detective, um, you yeah, know. yeah. I don't know what the what the structure is. That just kind of was kind of glaring to me in this episode. I was like, yeah, he's he's always working alone. So, all right, who else does he miss? Have a question? Um, I actually, I actually, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I have a question from one of our fans. Um, I actually got a question from Sharon, and I, I forfeited my question this episode. <laughs> for um, Sharon's question. However, I asked 17 questions myself, so I kind of cheated. Here's a question. How do you guys feel about June and Irvin's relationship this season? To me, it seems like she's just not as supportive as in the seasons past. She seems rather pushy and presumptive. And I agree with her. Okay. I um, Well, you know I didn't like it when she interrupted him playing the piano. I was bothered by that um, a couple episodes ago. But she, yeah, I don't know. It does seem a little different. I don't know quite how to qualify it, but it, it does seem a little different, their relationship. Um, like maybe she's pushing him a little bit more instead of being, which you don't, in a relationship, you don't always have to just be the sounding board. You should be able to give your opinion and stuff, but it almost seems a little too much sometimes. Or, But how about you, sister teacher? Well, I, I think I'm a bit preoccupied with, although Pete said he's going to be that, that footage is going to get him elected mayor, 
Mm-hmm. But I, I'm wondering why would Irvin want to become mayor? Mm. Yeah, that that's that's just my thought. Besides, I, I I I'm just thinking about that. I never. That's not something I ever saw him doing. I thought I always saw him at maybe maybe that's my tunnel vision to see him as always as a police officer. But I don't but know. Do you think June is being a good, you know, partner, you know, in their relationship? No, honestly, I think she's kind of having an, an agenda with it because she oh, seems okay. so pushing him because she might want to looking forward that she might be first lady of <laughs> Los Angeles, you know. There you go. There you go. Okay. Well, there you go, Sharon. That's kind of our thoughts. So interesting. All right. Do you have a question, Sister Teacher, before we move on to persons of interest? No, no. It was just about herb. No. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, we might, just a little hint, we might get some intel on your question about Irv and Mayor running for mayor in the interview with Lance Reddick at the end okay. of this episode. So, okay. Can't wait. Tuck that away. All right. <laughs> person of interest. <laughs> Who do you got, Pete? Person of interest. Um, I think so. it's simple. Dr. Hansen. He, mm-hmm. he, he spun it around. He rubbed me. He gave me that, that radar. My radar went up. My spidey sense was tingling. <laughs> I, I just don't think we're done with him. I think he's a very integral part in whatever Dominic Riley is getting involved in. Okay. Yeah. That He was mine as well, so I, I will just uh, pass this week. But, yeah, I already, I already pointed out that it just – that was a big shocker for me. And just seeing him act so differently in two different environments was just – it's really kind of scary to me because I was like, you really do seem like you're trying to help people on one end and then you're just trying to take advantage of people on the other side. So it's just very, very disturbing for me and shocking. How about you, sister teacher? Do you have someone in particular you want to point out in this episode? Well, I, I want to say chief Irving. Uh, he just seems to be uh, in the front of my mind has a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I think uh, later with this issue with this borders case, because his name has keep, been coming up mm-hmm. although Bob's the face of it but his name it seemed like he 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 may have as much to lose as Bosch has as much to lose um and it's and then with this run for mayor you know it just seems like a lot going on with him even though it seems like it's in the background and part of his um position as being chief but he seems to have a lot more going on in this episode and you know what we left out in our case review I can't believe it what does the chief do at the end of the episode, Pete? Hmm. I, I, it's funny because I thought that Irv was going to be your person of interest, and I, I didn't choose him in that situation because of that. But on my notes, on the evidence, it just says Irv guilty. I don't yeah. know what he's guilty of. I don't know exactly <laughs> what happened there, but they showed us it for a reason. And yeah. Irv's demeanor is not – he looked like a bad guy. He, I don't know. When he turned – you know, it's just kind of like when you, you know, when you do something bad and you turn yeah. around, you don't have a, you don't have a smile. Yeah. You know, you're just like, you know, trying to get as serious as possible and just trying to get out of there. That's I, what it I, seemed I, like he was doing. Just to, just to recap, he, you know, we see him looking at the files, the before and after photos um, from the, the Borders search of Borders apartment. And he comes across the, the bedroom befores and afters. And one of them does not match the one, the after has a pendant hanging there. The before does not. 
and the chief shreds the before. But like you were just talking about, Pete, he shredded it. He pulled the plastic baggie out, tied it up neat. I mean, that was very... um, Yes, yes, yeah, sinister. Yeah, yeah, Perfect yeah, words. yes, very sinister, and uh, like he knew exactly what he was doing, and gonna get rid of that evidence. So well, yeah, I didn't say borders. that proves borders, right? Exactly. Yep. So someone planted the pendant. We don't know for sure who, but uh, yep, it was definitely added after. The fact, even, so. even if he's covering somebody else's yeah, um, yeah. Back, he's yeah. still guilty. So, er, yeah. guilty, written down, <laughs> evidence. <laughs> written All right, so just briefly um, for our evidence locker, yeah, obviously we've got the the we see the shredded photo. We we learned that the air conditioning was turned on at Rosie's. Somebody's probably there. Um, we talked about them tying the gun from the carjacking to the pharmacy murders. We we. Didn't necessarily, we didn't see the guy plant the evidence in the consolidation box for the, the borders evidence, but we found a scenario where it could have um, happened. So anything else big for evidence that we haven't said? No? All right. If we forgot something, let us know. Okay. I do have a tip line before we get to our trivia and then on to our interview from Reddit, Vance Extra. Always gives us some good input. Bosch and Borders, toe-to-toe at San Quentin was very enjoyable. I don't know how they would do it, but I'm hoping there's more of that later in the season. I think Chris Browning as Preston Borders is another great casting choice by the Bosch creators. I think they nailed it with him playing Borders. He's just so cocky, chewing that gum, and his voice, and his, you know, his he's big and tall. You guys think he's a good casting choice for Borders? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I would too. hang out with him. He's pretty cool. I mean, <laughs> other than being a criminal, you know, and a, and a really bad guy. I mean, other than to put all that, that aside, I I can have a conversation with the guy. You know, be all right, survive, hopefully. <laughs> oh man, it's the gum chewing. It's the way he kind of like smacks that gum while he's talking, just so cocky. I'm to work you tomorrow. Are. I'm gonna chew gum all day. I'm gonna chew gum You're all day. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if if people look at me. You know, differently res- yeah yeah look at me more respectfully if i'm chewing the gum i don't know <laughs> uh, all right well as as requested i have a couple trivia questions and then we'll wrap it up and let folks listen to the interview with lance reddick one i got from a ci sharon what was the name of the book that rita was reading in the coffee shop dun, 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 dun. <laughs> any guesses no it was called The X, written by Alifair Burke. And interestingly, you know Sharon, she does her research. She said the book is about a, a woman who helps an old boyfriend who's been framed for murder. <sighs> that has to be on purpose. So, it reminds me of I Lost. Want, lost used to do stuff that's, like that. that that's, what, that's what Sharon said. She's a big Lost fan. She said any Lost fan would appreciate that kind of Easter egg. And we um, do. <laughs> yep, we do, Sharon. But my trivia question, how many coffee cups is Maddie carrying when she walks through the park and sees the the woman who was the victim? Four. 
I'm going to say three. Awesome sister Papa. teacher. Four. You're right, sister teacher. Got it. It seemed like it was too simple, like four coffee cups. That's so obvious. Uh, but if it's three uh, and one was like hidden or something, you did, you did that obvious, you know, hide in plain sight. That's why I went with it. That's <laughs> why I went with that one because I'm like, it would seem too easy. I don't really have a trivia question. I just want to ask a quick general question. Did, was that Barrel who was dipping his burger in French dip at the restaurant? Was that what was happening there? He had a French dip. Yeah. And he was, he dip he was dipping in, the burger in it? A French dip sandwich is like beef and it's you, you have a – it's like au jus. It's like a liquid that you're supposed to dip it in. That's why it's called a French dip. I was just sitting there like, yo, I want to go get a burger and I want to get some French dip and I want to try that. I want to do the barrel. <laughs> the sandwich is the French dip. I didn't know it was a sandwich. I thought it was, you know, I thought it was a burger dipped in French and French dressing or something. Oh, okay. Well, hey, you learned something new. I have an update right, before well, we go. I have an update uh, on our poll. Okay. It is now 52-48 in favor of Flash the Stash. Flash the Stash. All right. Okay. We've got a. We've got one more day to vote. All right. Is that it, guys? Yes. Get Keep voting in the Bosch Stash poll. And enjoy the interview with Lance Reddick. And we'll be back with more with episode six next week. All right. Good night, everybody. All righty. All right. Good night. Bye. Good night, everybody. Um, this is Tracy with the Everybody Counts podcast about all things Bosch. Um, and I had the pleasure of meeting you in Atlanta in February. I don't expect you to remember because you had a lot going on. But um, I was able to be in the press area. We didn't get a chance we didn't get a chance to do like a formal interview, but um I did get to say hello and I was the one who um passed along the the Bosch trading cards that I had made up. Um Oh, yeah, 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 great. Yes, yes, I remember. Yeah. So it was just re- a real treat to, to see you in person. We've been in so many programs that I just really am fond of, so it was just uh, really cool. But I wanted to know, um, just curious, what did you think of Atlanta? Are you are you very familiar with Atlanta or or, or not? I've, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very familiar with Atlanta. I've, only, I've worked in Atlanta twice. Okay. Um, wait, was it once or twice? Jeez, I'm trying to remember now. I, I know, I've, I know, I've been to Atlanta a few times. Uh, once for a visit with somebody who managed me for a very short time, with okay. with my music, and then that was, wow, that was like, twelve years ago. And then I was there working on uh, actually a video game, uh, uh, TV miniseries hybrid, called Quantum Break, and I was there for a month then. But I was working almost all the time. All the time. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did y'all get to do anything fun while you were here? Was it just sort of in and out for the ATV, the SCAD ATV? It was very, it was like, yeah, it was very much in and out. It came, okay. did the panel, and then left. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, that was, um, that was really awesome to be able to see the first episode. Well, this actually, the first question is a look back at season four, because the stare you gave Mayor Ramos from the car is just epic. So I'm, I'm curious, how many takes <laughs> did you film for that scene, and how much fun was it to do? I don't remember. I don't remember how many takes we did. That um, that day was a little hectic because Nancy actually had some some friends of his for with a with a a, a talk show that were at, was actually on set that day. So we were kind of oh. doing interviews in between takes and uh, being on location. It was a, it was a bit hectic. 
So I, I don't I don't remember how many takes it took. I don't think it was very many. I do remember the, uh, that what I think was the take that that ended up in the show only because after everybody started like cheering and laughing. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty pretty epic for sure. Um, you know, there's gifts of it and everything out there. I'm sure you've seen so. Uh, people like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I was actually surprised at the way that uh, it kind of, the, the gift kind of took off on social yeah, media. Yeah, yeah. There was, there was a big response. Yeah. I had a question about June. She really came through with her rope-a-dope strategy last season. And now it looks like she's giving Irv some counsel on running for mayor. How much does June's opinion weigh into Irv's decisions about his career? More than he wants to admit to himself. Ah, okay. It's one of those. Th- it's one of those things. It it, w- it wasn't difficult for me to relate to because I have this experience with my wife a lot. Um, okay. Where um, when I'm when I'm making kind of important career decisions, mm-hmm. you know, I'll run it. I'll run it. I'll run it by her, and then she'll give me her her pros and cons. And I'm, I'm I no matter how much I may dismiss what she says in the moment, because mm-hmm. um, my wife's a pretty smart. My wife's a pretty smart cookie. Yeah. And she's very shrewd. And so, okay. um, you know, I'll, I'll, very often I'll end up doing what she, she says, she thinks I should do. <laughs> so maybe you like to, maybe you and Irv like to think you have it figured out, but, but it really does help. Yeah. The lady yeah. Well, I, I, I think, uh, well, I mean, I haven't figured out. I mean, certain things, I mean, particularly with, with season five, and it's, it's, and I'm assuming it's okay to say this, um, it is, yeah. kind of deciding whether or not to, yeah, whether not deciding whether or not to run for mayor. I mean, it's really. Um, I think a lot of his decision, her opinion, matter mattered okay. a lot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. I really um, do think he was like, no, nah, I'm not getting into that. Okay. Okay. At first, okay. I, I really think he. Yeah, I really think he means it when he says it at the beginning of the season. Okay. Okay. Great. So every season we get glimpses of Ida and Wash, seemingly loyal members of the chief staff. Which one do you think knows the chief better? Wow, that's a good question. Um, it depends on in what way. I think there are idiosyncrasies that the chief. I, I think uh, Ida's been with the chief probably longer. Okay. But I think uh, there there are certain conversations that the chief will have with Wash that he won't have mm-hmm. with Ida. Okay. So different um, content. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, particularly about. The, the 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 politics of policing in in, in in particular cases. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, watch because watch his job. I mean, I just want to say one other thing about watch because the character, even though he's not around a lot, the job. Because um, I remember when I was uh, interviewing Bernard T. Parks about this, he talked about how important that job is. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. The, the 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 driver of the chief because it's mm-hmm. uh it's it's often it's not usually that job is 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 being groomed for is is a, is a job that's the person's been groomed for promotion. So not only is he in charge of the chief's safety and security, uh, right. but um, he's, he's also being mentored. Okay, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's very interesting. Now, you as Lance, what do you, where do you think Irv can do his best work, as, as chief of police or possibly as the mayor? Just you personally, where, where, do, where do you? Well, when you say where do you think he can do his best work, I'm not sure what you mean. Where can he be the most useful to the public? It's a tough one. It's a tough one. And the, re- the reason I say it's a tough one is, is and I've seen this not only because of my, not just be, 
because of my experience with with kind of learning about how, how politics works on this show and a lot with the wire city politics but uh right. speaking, it's interesting um because uh, a, a a very good friend of mine from Atlanta has worked in city government excuse me a very good friend of mine from high school has worked in city government ironically in Atlanta for uh okay. for a number of years and she she was telling me just it, it, politics is just such a dirty business uh-huh. and um, you just have to, even, even the people that really, really mean to do mean well, I mean, it's such an uphill climb against the machine and, and, right. uh, and there's so many, and, and there's so many constantly competing, I want to say forces, but I can't, but the, the, the uh, but, but force, forces, but constituencies, uh, okay. and, and you know what I mean? Uh, lobbying to get yeah. what they want, which is, you know, yeah. which is how the system is designed to work. But, um, sure. and so. You know, being one of the things that I learned, uh, the, the first place I learned this was working on the wire, was how much once you get into you know, the commissioner or chief of police, depending on what it's called in the city, you are mm-hmm. um, you're really you're really part of the political machine. Yes. You're, you're, in some ways, you're more um, you're more beholden to mm-hmm. the politicians and the politics of the city than you are to your commitment to doing uh, good policing. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I think uh, either job's tough <laughs> for Irving. Um, yeah, but on the other hand, on the other hand, I think that uh, Irving, more than any other character I've ever played, is is uh, is kind of a born politician, as a born uh, political mover. Okay. So uh, I think that if he gets, if he becomes mayor, he'll really try to do good things. Okay. Okay. And we have faith in the chief. Yeah. yeah. Well, we meet the new district attorney. Would you describe her as a formidable opponent or possibly an ally or something else? Both. Uh, Because she, um, well, first of all, whether you say ally or opponent, uh, the one thing you can say for sure is formidable. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I don't. I think it's one of those things where, um, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're trying to work as partners. And usually, I mean, historically, the the, the district attorney and uh, the police department um, are, are are hand in hand, work work hand in hand. You know, they're, they're partners. They're, um, um, the 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 thing about this DA is that she kind of ran on the platform of reform. Around okay. police uh, police accountability, um, right? And so, you know, so given that given that you know one of the big issues in this season is is a questionable police shooting. Um, yes. You know, we we, we see right off the bat that they're mm-hmm. a bit of at mm-hmm. odds because the the other thing is that so did you know so did Chief. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Irving went on a similar platform, but 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 the the, the fact of the matter is he's a cop. And mm-hmm. his loyalty is always going to is always going to lean toward the police department. Okay. Toward the image and the protection of the police department and its officers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, you brought up the um, officer-involved shooting. That was another question. It, it seems like an impossible task to really figure out what happened. Um, how would you say the chief approaches these types of difficult situations? Like, which what tools does or methods does he rely on to sort of analyze and um, try to come to an understanding of what happened. Well, 
the the often I mean sometimes things are obvious but from from a videotape. Mm-hmm. Um, this, you know, for, well first of all he's looking at he's looking at the cam, the body cam footage. Right. And unlike what's off, usually released to the public, you've actually got the body, you've got the sound, so you can hear what's being said. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there. So you know, just looking at it, it is possible that he didn't, you know, he didn't know, you know, there was a question about whether or not he fit for safety. I mean, right. you know, genuinely, whether or not the guy was going to pull a, pull a weapon. Right. The problem is that the more you look at it, the more you, you think, well, maybe, maybe not. So right. really, the, the, what he's really trying to determine, the hardest thing to determine is the truth about what's in somebody's head. Yeah. When, when, something, when something happens in the moment. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And so there's so the, another thing that he does is he is, is interview he interviews not only the other cop that was there but other, another cop that actually knows him from the past you know oh. what I mean like what's he like yeah. you know what's yeah. he like um, you know and, and that's it's really interesting that you ask that question because it, it it reminds me of uh, I was in a litigation uh, once with someone that had represented me and one of you know, one one of the things the attorney one of the things the, that my attorney kept asking me was like, "What's he like?" You know, he was trying to actually get into the you know, the, the person's head, to, yeah, to figure out where they were coming, where they were coming from in this litigation. Uh, okay. Something that I, you know, that I never thought about. I mean, even the, even yeah. the point of you know, is it somebody who puffs himself up? What kind of car does he drive? Does he, is he, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh wow, that's all useful information. Yeah, that's really. And you're trying to read somebody's psychology. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, just a, on a, a little bit different note, I, I wonder if you can tell me more about your musical talents because it, it sure looks like you are playing the piano uh, in the scenes in the show. And so, uh, oh yeah, I am. That is okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't know about the magic of the camera sometimes, but uh, yeah, that's what I assume. So, what function does music serve for the chief in the story, and what function does music serve? For Lance. In the story, it's interesting because how this me playing the piano ended up in the show is uh-huh. is because Eric Overminer has known each other since The Wire, and he knew from he knew from my time on The Wire that I that I originally was a musician. I mean, I originally was a, I I grew up uh-huh. studying music, and uh, my undergraduate was actually at a conservatory. I, I studied to be a classical composer. Oh wow! So um, and I and yeah, and I gave him. I, I've only done one CD of my music, but I gave him the CD of my music, which is mostly jazz. And and, and as, as you, you may or may not know, he's a huge, he's a big jazz fan, um, as, um, which is I think why he he uh, took to Tremaine, because he's an executive producer and, and, and one of the head writers on Tremaine as well. So um, that was kind of his idea. Um, so, um, but I think for the chief, the the function of the piano, uh, you know, just music. It's it's a it's a it's a way for him to think, Do you know what I mean? Oh. Kind of let his mind unwind and yeah. So he's actually thinking about stuff when he's playing. E- either that or it's a, it's a way to it's a way to relax and just shut his mind off. Okay, I'd wondered about that too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Well, I'm just going to finish up with a couple of just sort of uh, quick fire questions. Just give you a couple choices. So um, I'm just going to give you two choices and see which one you're going to go with. Baltimore Colts or Baltimore Ravens? <laughs> Ravens. I, so I, I mean, I answered the question, but I need to give you a caveat that I don't follow football at all. Okay, okay, okay. I didn't know. If so, yeah. 
I grew up in Virginia, so when I was a kid, you know, it was Baltimore Colts, and so I sort of had some nostalgia around that. And um, so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know um, if any of that played into it for you. But yeah, good, good choice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, just, just example. I mean, I just did, a, I just did a film that started in uh, Nandi Asimuga, and I didn't know who he was until I met him okay. because I don't follow football. Instagram or Twitter? Wow. Once again, it depends. Um, I'm on Twitter more, although I'm, I'm actually, I just, I'm, I'm just stepping away from all social media right now um, to try to give my brain a break. So anything I need something posted, I'm not even posting it myself. I'm having my wife post it for me. <laughs> but uh, I would say uh, if, if I had to pick one, I'd say Instagram. Okay. Okay. Do you think that was a little yeah. more fun or easier? It's more fun. I mean, yeah. well, actually for me, Twitter is easier because I'm not a picture person. Um, but yeah, but I end up, uh, as, as much or if not more, um, arguing about politics and actually doing stuff for my career. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, which is part of the reason why I'm just kind of getting away from everything. I agree. I understand. Um, and you may not like either of these, but I'm going to ask tacos or burritos? Burritos. That one I actually have like a preference. Oh, you do? You do. Uh, I'm a big... Yeah, I'm a big eater, and uh, there's more beans and meat in the burrito. <laughs> That's a perfect answer. I love it. Thank you so much, and thank you for your time. It's, it's always such a pleasure uh, chatting with you and, and learning more about you and your role. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. You take care, Lance. Bye-bye. Okay, you have a good day. Bye.